Poo-Poo and the Dragons by C.S. Forrester. Chapter 8. Of course, Poo-Poo was very excited when he and his father and mother and Horatio all started off for the circus, because they were going to sit in the most expensive seats there were. All along the streets there were posters up advertising the circus, with an extra poster pasted across them, posted across them, and on the extra poster in great big letters, THE ONLY SINGING DRAGON IN THE WESTERN HEMISPHERE. And when Mr. Brown saw those, what was there special about Mr. Brown to remember? He said, I hope your circus friend Mr. Coromandel isn't too disappointed, because the battery in that radio is due to run down any moment. It's been going ever since yesterday when Horatio swallowed it. So Poo-Poo said, Um, and looked out of the car window to where Horatio was going clippity-clop beside them through the traffic, which was very dense, because everybody was going to the circus. When they came to the side entrance, Mr. Coromandel was there, looking quite worried, but as soon as he saw Poo-Poo and Horatio, he smiled and said, "'There you are, then,' which was quite true. And he said to Horatio, "'I hope you're in good singing form today.' And Horatio said nothing at all, but inside him the radio said in just the tiniest whisper, "'This is KSFO, San Francisco.' And Poo-Poo was very frightened, because he knew that nobody in a big circus would hear that little whisper. Mr. Coromandel obviously didn't hear it, and he was standing right beside Horatio. But there was nothing Poo-Poo could do about it, and so he said good-bye to Horatio, and he went around and joined his father and mother, and they went and sat in the most expensive seats, as Mr. Coromandel had promised them. Poo-Poo was very excited, and he looked round the big tent, and he could see all his friends, even though they weren't sitting in the most expensive seats, the way he was. Quite near to them, there was Mr. Mackintosh. Do you remember who Mr. Mackintosh was? And in the next row, there was Amelia Montgomery. I'm sure you know where Poo-Poo met her. And beside her, there was Miss Araminta Wiggins. Of course, she had seen Horatio before as well, but I don't expect you can tell me where. And walking about in front, in his uniform with a star, there was a policeman. Poo-Poo knew his name, and I'm sure you know it too. And across the other side, there was Miss Malisande Wintergreen. Poo-Poo knew her very well, and I wonder if you can tell me why. And farther along, there was Herbert Jeremiah O'Shaughnessy, still looking very cross. Now that you know that he was looking cross, you can probably remember who he was. Right up at the back, there was James Ponsonby Oshinleck, sitting beside his friend, Mr. Quentin Fazakley. Because they were friends, you ought to know who they were. And sure enough, just as he had promised, there was the doctor, whose name you cannot have forgotten yet. Poo-Poo jumped up and down in his seat and waved to each of these friends, while the band played very loudly with all the drums going at once, and just enough trumpet to make a noise that you could hear through the drums. And then in came Mr. Coromandel, very beautifully dressed, with a white shirt front with three big diamonds in the middle of it, and he said, "'Ladies and gentlemen, it is my proud privilege to present to you today Miss Fluffykin Skinnylimbs, the Queen of the Caucasian Desert, on her fiery untamed steed.' And the band started playing very loud again, and in came Miss Skinnylimbs up on the back of her fiery untamed steed, and looking perfectly beautiful as she turned round and round and turned somersaults and jumped through hoops. 
and every time she jumped Poo-Poo jumped too, and he would have turned somersaults as well, if Mr. Brown had not put out his hand and stopped him. And after that things got too exciting for Poo-Poo ever to remember them properly. There were people on trapezes, and people climbing up ladders, and there were elephants walking around in line holding the tail of the elephant in front, and there were tigers and lots more horses and clowns, so that Poo-Poo could hardly remember a day which he had enjoyed more, especially as they were sitting right in the front in the very best seats, and he could see everything. And then the drums beat a long, long roll to show that this was a very important occasion indeed, and Mr. Coromandel came walking out with his diamonds all glittering, and he waited for the drums to stop, and then he said in a very solemn voice, "'Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to present to you today the only singing dragon in the Western Hemisphere. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a proud man at this moment when I announce to you the entrance of Horatio Heaviside Dragon.' And the drums rolled, and the trumpets roared, and Mr. Coromandel stood there, pointing to the entrance to the ring, and in came Horatio, galloping as fast as he could, and he stopped in the middle of the ring, with a cloud of dust and a burst of flame, and his eyes shining like searchlights, and looking very magnificent indeed, so that everybody clapped and cheered until it sounded like a storm at sea. "'I'm afraid everybody's going to be very disappointed,' said Mr. Brown, "'unless we can think of something very quickly to do about this.' And Poo-Poo, who had forgotten all about the radio being run down in the excitement of seeing the circus, felt very nervous and uncomfortable indeed. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' said Mr. Coromandel, "'ladies and gentlemen, the singing dragon will now sing.' And Mr. Coromandel took hold of his whip in the middle and held it out, ready to beat time, and he held the other hand up without anything in it, ready to beat time as well, and he looked at Horatio, and so did Mr. O'Shaughnessy, and Mr. Fazakley, and Dr. Packinghampton, and Mr. Oshenleck, and all the other people whose names of course you remember, and everybody else as well, and the circus was very still and very quiet, and they waited and waited, and nobody heard a single sound. Nobody, that is to say, except Poo-Poo, who, because he was sitting in the best seats quite close to Horatio, could hear a little, tiny, weeny voice, deep down in the middle of Horatio, just whispering ever so softly, "'This is K-S-F-O, San Francisco!' And it was such a tiny voice that Poo-Poo was the only person in the whole circus who could hear it. And after everything had been silent for a little while, somebody began to laugh, and somebody else began to laugh, and Mr. Fazakley began to laugh, and Miss Wiggins began to laugh, and even Mr. O'Shaughnessy began to smile, and the laughter grew and grew until Mr. Coromandel waved his arms and said, "'Ladies and gentlemen, I think this is just a simple case of stage fright. With your kind permission, we will try again.' And he raised his hands, and everybody was quiet again, and he looked at Horatio, and Horatio just didn't do anything, and after a moment everybody began to laugh again, and Mr. Coromandel grew very angry, and he raised his whip, and he might have done something very terrible indeed in his temper, except that Horatio put out his claw, and took hold of him by the shirt-front, and then Mr. Coromandel stood very still indeed, and everybody in the circus was quiet again. And then Mr. Brown said, "'Well, I suppose I shall have to do something about this.' I always knew that if we once started having a dragon, I'd never have another minute's peace. And so he got up, and walked into the middle of the ring, with everybody looking at him, and he held up his hand, just like Mr. Coromandel, and he said, "'Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the management I must apologize for the dragon not singing. 
But after all, singing dragons are very ordinary things. Why, all of us have heard dragons sing at some time or other. I've thought of something else. I don't think one of us has ever heard a singing ringmaster. And everybody in the circus was still very quiet, and Mr. Brown turned to Mr. Coromandel and he said, Sing. And Mr. Coromandel said, in a funny squeaky voice, not a bit like the voice he used to make announcements. I can't. And Horatio, who had still, who had, <laughs> and Horatio, who had hold of him by the shirt front, gave him a little shake, but he still said, I can't, really I can't. So Mr. Brown said to Horatio, Horatio, just show him what you can do. And Horatio opened his mouth and let out a long tongue of flame, and began to bring it nearer and nearer to Mr. Coromandel, until Mr. Coromandel said, "'Stop, stop! I'll sing!' And then Mr. Brown turned to the audience, and he said, "'Ladies and gentlemen, I want to present to you the only singing ringmaster in the world. Mr. Coromandel will now sing, "'Pop Goes the Weasel!' And then Mr. Brown turned to Mr. Coromandel, and held his arms up, ready to beat time, and Horatio gave Mr. Coromandel a shake, and so Mr. Coromandel started to sing, "'Pop Goes the Weasel!' in a funny little squeaky voice, so that everybody laughed and laughed and laughed.' And when it was all over, Mr. Brown bowed just as handsomely as Mr. Coromandel ever did, and said, "'Thank you, ladies and gentlemen,' and everybody clapped, and Horatio let go of Mr. Coromandel, and then everybody stood up and started to go out in a hurry, the way people always go out of circuses. And Mr. Coromandel turned to Mr. Brown and said, "'I am very angry indeed.' And Mr. Brown said, "'I don't think you ought to be angry. Look at all the people who came.' And he told Mr. Coromandel all about Mr. Fazakley and Mr. Mackintosh and Miss Wintergreen and all the other people, whose names you can remember. And Mr. Coromandel said, "'Yes, but you had the best seats in the circus, and you didn't pay for them.' So Mr. Brown said, "'There's something in that, of course.' And he put his hand in his pocket and brought out some money, and he paid Mr. Coromandel for two adults and one child in the best seats in the circus. And Mr. Coromandel put the money in his pocket, and then he said, "'What about Horatio? He saw the whole circus, and you haven't paid anything for him.' And Mr. Brown said, "'Dragons don't pay for admission to circuses. That point was decided by a Supreme Court decision in April 1928.' And when Mr. Brown said that, Mr. Coromandel could only say, "'Oh,' because there wasn't anything more to say. So, when they said good-bye to the ringmaster— I expect you have forgotten the ringmaster's name already. They got into the car and started home with Horatio going clippity-clop behind them. And of course they were still very excited, so Poo-Poo, I hope you haven't forgotten what Poo-Poo's other names were, wriggled about in the car all the time that they were going home, and then while Poo-Poo's mother was getting supper ready, Poo-Poo and Horatio ran round and round in the garden until Mr. Brown said that they made him dizzy. And then Mrs. Brown came out to the kitchen door and called out, "'Supper's ready!' They all came galloping in, and between them Poo-Poo and Horatio knocked over a chair, and Mr. Brown called them a careless, clumsy, clod-hopping couple of clowns. Because Poo-Poo was so excited, he was a very naughty boy, and when no one was looking he put the pepper into the salt-shaker, because he knew that Horatio liked salt, and did not like pepper at all. And Mrs. Brown put Horatio's plate in front of him, and Mr. Brown remembered that Horatio liked salt— 
So he took the salt, and he took the salt shaker, and shook it over Horatio's supper, and all the pepper came out in a stream. First Mr. Brown sneezed, and then Mrs. Brown sneezed, and then Poo-Poo sneezed, and Horatio sneezed last, although he was nearest to the pepper. Because a dragon is so long that it takes a long time for the sneeze to go all the way down and then come all the way up again. It is a wonderful thing when a dragon sneezes, because he has to straighten himself up just as you have to when you sneeze, and Horatio was coiled all the way down the garden. And when he straightened himself up, his tail went in through the kitchen door on Mrs. Theodosia Devereux, their neighbor, and knocked over the washing machine. And then the sneeze came all the way up again, and made Horatio knock over the salt shaker, which had pepper in it, and made things worse than ever. And he sneezed and he sneezed, and Mr. Brown sneezed and sneezed, and Horatio straightened up and coiled down again with every sneeze, so that the tip of his tail frightened their neighbor nearly out of her mind as it flopped about in her kitchen, until at last a really enormous sneeze came hurrying along inside Horatio, and it caught up that portable radio as it went along, and it brought it out like a bullet, so that it was a good thing the window was open, where it went sailing through and over the trees. And nobody ever knew afterwards what happened to it, except that Mr. Brown was never able to listen to symphony concerts again. Mr. Brown saw the radio go, and was so surprised that he stopped sneezing and said, "'What was that?' "'And Mrs. Brown said, "'I think it was the portable radio.' "'Then they looked at Horatio, and he nodded and smiled. "'And Mr. Brown said, "'That's all right, then.' "'Which was a good thing, because he was so relieved "'at Horatio's losing the radio without having an operation "'that he quite forgot to ask, "'Who was the naughty boy who put the pepper where the salt ought to be?' "'End of chapter 8.' Read for you by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on Sunday, July 28, 2013, in San Diego, California.